Welcome to A Blind Point of View, a roundtable conversation where we deep dive into topics that affect the blind and visually impaired. My name is Tim Schwartz, and joining me around the table is Maria Johnson from GirlGoneBlind.com. Hello, Maria. Hello, Tim. Looking forward to some good conversation. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because also joining us around the table is Derek Daniel from LifeAfterSightLoss.com. Hello, Derek. Hey, Tim and Maria. Glad to be here. Well, guys, I am really excited about this as well, because this is something that we've been talking about for a while, something that we wanted to do to to really kind of break things down and really deep dive into these topics, as I said at the top of the show, and talk about things that do affect blind people, blind and visually impaired people, and, and really get into it from our point of view, as the title implies. So in this very first episode, we wanted to talk about coping with vision loss and everything that goes along with that. So losing vision, being depressed, how you can reach out to different agencies or different things that might be available to you. And in future episodes, we'll dive in even deeper to some of those topics and, and really get into that more. But we really, in this first episode, wanted to focus on coping with vision loss. But before we get into that topic specifically, I wanted to give both of you a chance to tell the people a little bit about yourselves, about your vision and and where you've come from in your journey uh, so that people can get to know you a little bit better just in case they don't know you. So Maria, let's start with you. Thank you, Tim. As you said, I am the creator and writer behind the blog, Girl Gone Blind. I lost most of my vision to a condition called labor's hereditary optic neuropathy about six years ago and have been living with low vision ever since. I started that blog about three months after my vision loss and it has brought me to this round table today. So hopefully I can bring some of my wisdom and knowledge and wit to the table and <laughs> looking forward to diving deep into all these great topics we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. I think that your perspective is going to be a big help in these conversations going forward, Maria. All right, Derek, it's your turn. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, again, my name is Derek Daniel from lifeaftersightloss.com. I actually lost my sight back in 2001 to the same condition that Maria has. We're bosom buddies, I guess, in that department. Uh, I have LHON as well. I am legally blind, as Maria is. And my website, lifeaftersightloss.com, uh, it's a YouTube channel. It's a podcast, which I do with my wife. And basically, we talk about all things being visually impaired and even the sighted supporters, as my wife is. So I've been living with this condition nearly 20 years now. And so hopefully my perspective uh, can bring some insight and info into the conversations that we have as we take a little bit deeper dive into things. Well, Derek, I think the perspective from each of us will be unique and will definitely bring something to the table. And like I said, I, I really look forward to this conversation as well as any future conversations we do in this format, because so many times people will just kind of skim the surface with these types of conversations and they don't take that deep dive, as you said, to really get into the nitty gritty, to get into the specifics and the weeds and, and really just, you know, 
have a passionate conversation, a deep conversation about things that can affect you when you have vision loss. And even those people who have been blind since birth, of course, that's a totally different experience and different journey. At the same time, though, we all have very similar experiences as well. And so for this first conversation, because our point of view, the three of us, is from the standpoint that we have all lost our vision at some point in our life, these these things we're going to talk about today hopefully will affect anyone who is without vision in some way or another. But of course, we do understand that there are people out there who were born blind and have different experiences than us. And so later in another episode, we will try to talk about that as well and, and maybe even have somebody on who's been blind since birth to talk about those differences. So from us losing our vision as that compares to maybe somebody who's been blind since birth and, and what that difference is like. But like I said, for this particular episode, this first episode of A Blind Point of View, we want to talk about coping with vision loss and how it affects you, what, what your life is like. Uh, obviously, people's experiences can, can vary and will be different. But at the same time, as the three of us know so well, your experiences can be very, very similar. So Derek, I know you said you, you lost your vision in 2001, correct, is when it first started to go? That's right. So back then, 2001, we're talking 18 years ago, that's, you know, about almost half your life at this point that you've known vision loss. Talk a little bit about how that interrupted your life at the time and, and what that was like. Yeah, actually, it's been just over half my life now. I was 18 when I lost my sight. I am 30 now and uh, <laughs> it's, I'm 36 now and it's been over half my life life where I've been visually impaired longer than I was sighted. But when I lost my sight, I, like I said, I was 18 and I just graduated high school and I was getting ready to go to college and I had the whole world in front of me. And then I was blind. So it, it happened very fast for me. I know some people it happens gradually over time. For me, it was about six weeks, just a little less than two months where I went from 2020 to being legally blind. And so it really, as you said, the word interrupted is a great word because it just, it interrupted everything. My flow into college, uh, my flow into the activities I was going to do, um, my relationship with my girlfriend at the time, just all this stuff, really sight loss just put it at a halt. And I was at a standstill. And I can remember 2001 was not a very good year for America either. And I can remember being at home when the Twin Towers went down. And it was almost like the whole world was experiencing my halt in that moment. And it was just, it was crazy. I, I can't believe how much sight loss halted everything that was going on. Of course, my life has gone on and we'll talk about that later, but definitely there was those moments of now what, what am I going to do now? And I can't even move forward uh, for lack of a better pun. I, I couldn't, you know, see the future. And so it, it was, it was a, uh, a very rough spell there for a while uh, as sight loss interrupted my life. And that's the thing, because you had vision for those 18-ish years. And so all of a sudden, in a six-week period, less than, now you're all of a sudden part of this other life and, and have these other experiences. And especially at that age, when it's hard enough to be 18 years old, it's hard enough to have to go through the things you go through at that age and going into college and all that kind of thing, you know, relationships and all that, and looking ahead to your future. And then this happens. And, and for you, that was such a quick transition. For me, I don't know if it's 
I don't know that you can say better or worse because I don't I don't know that that's really uh, something you could even label it as. But I had a similar experience as far as age goes, although it was a little earlier. They saw something wrong with my eyes when I was in like eighth grade. I went for just a standard physical for basketball or track or something like that. And they said, you know what? you're a big guy. You are huge. You're only you know, 13 years old and already almost six foot four. And let's check out, make sure that your endocrine system and, and everything is okay. Make sure that there's nothing you know, weird. I'm like, Oh, what am I Andre the giant all of a sudden? What, <laughs> what, what, what is this? And they were thinking that maybe that, that it was the case that I had mm-hmm. the similar disease he had acromegaly. And so I went to an endocrinologist who said, no, you're fine. You're just a big guy. However, I'm not an ophthalmologist, but something behind your right eye doesn't look right. There's something going on behind the eye, swelling, bleeding, something. I I don't know. I think you need to see a specialist. Go see an ophthalmologist. And that started my journey around, you know, 12, 13, 13, 14 in that range uh, years old. And that took a while to really progress because they said for a long time, well, it's a hematoma. Well, that's just layman's terms for blood swelling. You know, it literally wasn't anything specific. At one point, they even thought that I had LHON similar to you guys because they were seeing some sort of damage behind the eye, either retina or optic nerve. And they said, well, it could be LHON. It's back there. Could be, maybe. But they really just didn't know. And even to this day, they can describe it, but it doesn't really have a name. Mm. But for me, from 12 or 13 or, or whatever age it was, up to about 18, my right eye went over those many years. And then from the age of about 18 to 30-ish, and I'm now 40-something, um, 41, uh, actually. And um, so from 18 to 30-ish, my left eye started to catch up. And maybe you know, about 31 or 32, my left eye basically had no nothing functional anymore. It was, it was light perception, little bit of movement, which is what I can kind of pick up now. And so for me, it was a much longer period. I was hopeful that maybe I could keep some of that vision, but it just wasn't meant to be. And so even over just the last you know 10 or 11 years is when I've truly had no functional usable vision. And that difference from, you know, the up to 18 years old for one eye and then 18 to 30 for the other eye and and having that difference of so those two different lives almost. And now this last 10 or 11 years, having nothing functional, it, it's almost like three different journeys mm-hmm. in, in its own way. So, you know, Derek, yeah, where you were so fast, mine was drawn out. Now, Maria, yours being LHON, similar disease, but happened a little bit later for you, not 18 years old no. and, and happened a bit, <laughs> a bit differently, didn't it? Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, listening to how it went for you, Tim, you almost had to adjust, you know, three times, right? Um, yeah. First oh, yeah. eye, you know, then the second, and then, you know, kind of going, the, both eyes kind of going to a whole nother level of blindness. Now what do I do? Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Um, so um, LHUN typically starts in one eye and then it always goes to the other eye and it can happen in a matter of weeks or months. For me, um, I was, <clears throat> well, we all know age is just a number. Um, I was 49 when my right eye started to show some blurriness and I was like, ah, you know, it's just nothing as typical. I was a busy mom. I was teaching group fitness classes all over town, you know, 
five, six days a week. I just didn't have time to deal with it. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole journey because um, you're going to link some stuff in the show notes for both Derek and I on, on our stories. But um, it, you know, they couldn't figure it out, all that good stuff. So I just kind of just ignored it. And eventually, um, within about six months, which is actually long um, for LHN, my left eye started to show the same signs. And within a matter of about for six weeks from there, I was legally blind. So, and it was just about then that they diagnosed me with LHON. So by the age of 50, after about eight months of testing and we don't know what's wrong with you, um, I was diagnosed. And they can only diagnose LHON with a mitochondrial DNA test. And so that was the last test we waited for and boom, that came through and I, pretty sure I went into shock because I was like, oh, okay, well now we know. And what does that mean? Cause I don't even know how to say it. It was like, what? So I actually, and I've written blogs about this. I actually um, was on my way out the door when my doctor called and said, I really, you know, we now know, and I'm sorry. And you know, all the good stuff that they say, and we'll talk later. And I went, well, okay, I got to go. And I was going out with my girlfriends and I went out like I have this. And so, okay. So I think I honestly went into shock and kind of like, wow, I think I know I have, and I think my kids have it and you know, all this hereditary business. So I kind of just didn't really go there for a little bit and just kind of went numb. I, I, I just, it's been a while, so I, I can't really remember, but, um, but I was at a completely different stage of my life, you know, like both of you, um, I, you know, was a mom I was in my career, um, running a household, you know, doing all the shopping, the banking, the billing, you know, the blah, 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 blah. And boom, <laughs> like Derek said, now what, now what? I can't see my computer. I can't drive. I can't, what? I mean, I was like, you know, life's over. You know, that was my thought. Life is over. And because um, LHON is hereditary um, as, you know, you know, the unfortunate, you know, unfortunate genetics would have it. Um, my nephew also lost his vision at 18, almost similar to the exact situation as Derek just a couple months before college um, to LHON. So we actually have two members of my family who are now legally blind from LHON. And um, actually we hooked um, my nephew up with Derek to have a talk because it was like the same age, the same time frame, and, you know, kind of to get him kind of up and running, you know, to college, which he's doing amazing. Um, he's just, again, just, it, he didn't miss a beat. I, I mean, just didn't miss a beat. And I think I don't know, just maybe it's age, maybe it's just his personality, maybe he's, you know, eating Oreos in the closet. I don't know, but he's doing so well. <laughs> and for me, I was like, I don't know if I can go on. I mean, I don't, and I've written about that. I don't know if I can go on like this because life wasn't supposed to go this way. This wasn't supposed to happen. That was my thoughts. Yeah, and for you, Maria, as you said, it was later on in your life at 49 years old. So, you know, you've gone through school and, and been married and had children and a career. And we're looking backward saying, as you just mentioned, life is over. 
But Derek, in a very different way for you at 18 years old and having this happen over a quick span of six months, in a way, even though you're 18, you still had, in your perspective at that time, your whole life ahead of you. What, what was that like at that time? Yeah, it was interesting because I came from a very small town and there was only about one other blind person in the town. And he was an older gentleman, I think, that had macular degeneration. So his life was sort of, you know, concluding, not that he was dying, but you know, this, this sort of part of his life was concluding. He was retired right. and that sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, but I, I want to go and do things. I've got college and career and marriage and family and whatever. And so it, there wasn't a lot of answers. And I was like, what, what am I going to do now? And, and it's so interesting listening to our stories of how, you know, with, uh, the different ways we lost our sight, the different time it took, even the different ways we got diagnosis. I know Maria mentioned, uh, you know, eight months of testing and so forth. I was very fortunate. I got my diagnosis within that span of six weeks to two months because I happened to have a doctor in my state that knew about it and was like, I think it's this, we're going to do this blood test and we'll, you know, verify it. And it was very quick for me. And so, you know, having that kind of diagnosis was very helpful but moving forward, it was such a task because I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to get around? I can't drive anymore. I still remember the last day that I drove. Mm -hmm. um, I can't do mm -hmm. that anymore. Yep. I, can't, um, I can't just go off to college by myself. And there was just a lot of steps involved. And, and I think we all kind of know what that's like being visually impaired. There are a lot more steps involved. To, to dealing with life, if you will, even just yes. going to the fridge to get something to make for lunch, there were more steps involved. And that's what I had to start figuring out. I had to take the steps. It was difficult. I didn't really want to take those steps because I just wanted to be sighted and live my life like I used to, but I had to start taking those steps. And I just had to take them as cheesy as it sounds, one step at a time. <laughs> but at that point in your life, taking it one step at a time without vision, with sight loss and trying to relearn. I mean, you've spent 18 years of your life at that point learning how to do everything. You know, you're 18 years old. You've got your whole life ahead of you and, and the world in the palm of your hand and so many things that you want to do. And now you got to deal with this and learn how to cope with it to, to the point of this uh, conversation, coping with it. And I don't know that in some ways I understand that term and I get it, but in my experience with vision loss, coping is kind of a shaky word because there are days that you cope and then there are days you just can't cope. And, uh, you guys both know, you know, how mm -hmm. that goes. So you know, before I, I go back to you, Maria, Derek, with your situation at that time, as you said, you know, one foot in front of the other, but how did, how did you deal with that? How did you cope with that at just 18 years old? Um, I was a very positive person. I still am a very positive person. No. So, yeah. I've, you <laughs> I a positive keep, person? <laughs> try to keep it light. Um, wow. <laughs> I think optimism really helped me out. I was, I was very confident in, I'm just going to do it and things are going to be fine. And it wasn't until later that really, you know, depression sort of hit and it was stages of grief and so forth. But I think it was just like, I've got to do this or else life is over and life's not over. So I've got to do this. And so it was a little bit of, you know, fortitude on my own part. And the idea that I can't sit at home by myself, all my friends went off to college, even my girlfriend at the time, she went off to college and I was here by myself. And I was like, I cannot, I'm a big people person as well. So I cannot sit at home by myself. My parents are not that interesting. And so this is not going to work out. <laughs> so I think I just, I had to learn these things. I remember I went and got a guide dog. So that gave me some purpose. I, I think that's a lot what it was. I had goals in mind. I wanted to go to college. That was a goal. I wanted to get a guide dog. I wanted to, you know, fill in the blank. So I, I had myself 
you know, some goals that I could do. Um, you wanted to perform on Broadway. I did want to perform. Yes. I would, <laughs> I would still do that today. So did I. Uh, I did have, oh, you know, yeah. I was performing, uh, that summer that I lost my sight as a matter of fact, and uh, I had to take two weeks off and I came back and luckily I knew the stage cause I'd, I'd been on that stage plenty of times. And so luckily I knew it really well, but if I had lost that, that probably would have been really difficult. I think that was probably mm. one of the things too. I kept a lot of the things that, um, you know, were familiar and near to me and I didn't necessarily lose them all. And maybe I did them differently, but I didn't lose them all. And so, and to take a little break off of Tim for, you know, if he doesn't want to talk so much, I'll pass it over to Maria. Maria, <laughs> what about you? I know that we're talking about me and being 18 in my life in front of me and having goals and so forth. But what about you? You were, you know, <laughs> years yeah. old and, yeah. <laughs> you know, you had older kids and, you know, all this yeah. sort of thing. So what were, yeah. what was your way of going, you know what, I got to get up and move and keep moving forward. Well, that was just it. Um, I, for the, for, you know, a while there, I was like, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move forward. And how can I just not do that? Because I can't, I just can't. And people said, Oh, you'll do everything you always did. You'll just do it differently. And I'm all, what? I mean, I just couldn't even listen to what people had to say like that. You know, we've all heard that. We've heard, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you too. stronger. Uh, well, right. well, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, and, you know, I wrote a blog about that. Things you didn't want to hear in the first stages of vision loss. I mean, there was just nothing anyone said was going to help me. Now, Derek, the, some of the things you said I totally resonate with because I am an extrovert. Shocker. I know. Um, I, I am uh, being group fitness instructor. Um, I am a people person. I need to be out there. I get, I, you know, I, you know, get energy from people and, um, you know, being surrounded by, you know, doing things and being social. And I really think that saved me in a way, because if I was an extreme introvert, I just honestly, I don't know if I'd be here today. Cause I don't think I'd have the skills to get myself out there or get going forward. So one of the things I used to say is you just need to show up and you need to just show up every day. I started just showing up. I showed up to all my kids' activities, sporting events, marching band rehearsals, competitions. I started showing up to all the classes. I never skipped teaching a class because like you, Derek, the theater, that was my normal. And I wasn't going to let vision loss take away my normal. That was, you know, if, if it took away those things from us, then, you know, vision loss wins, right? And it wasn't going to win. That was my normal. And so I have continued teaching group fitness, even through the vision loss to this day. I may have scaled back because of the old, you know, transportation situation, but I have folks that drive, you know, students, members drive me to class and bring me home, which is fantastic. Um, so I started just showing up and doing more and doing more and doing more and putting myself out there. And the more I did, the more it reinforced me into me that I could do things, you know, um, I could take a picture with my iPad. Woo. Wow. I took a picture. I took a photo, um, you know, learning, um, you know, assistive technology, um, voiceover. Oh yeah. I pulled the old, <laughs> I am an old dog. I am so not learning a new trick. This is ridiculous. I am never going to learn this. I just, you know, again, relearning things at an older age doesn't mean it's harder. It just means you just maybe have to like understand it and work at it a little bit, you know, a little bit differently. 
there we go. Um, and you know, eventually now it's, you know, it's second nature. It's like a second language. Um, and you know, I get a lot of folks that contact me just saying, you know, it's too hard. I don't want to do it. And I'm just like, look, it's, yeah, I know it's just going to take practice and determination. You just got to keep at it. So learning all those things, showing up, you know, and, and, and just the next day would arrive and you show up and you keep learning and you show up and you keep learning. And that I guess has kind of brought me to here and now and staying present, not looking back to, I wish I could, I wish I could be back in the old sighted days, if you will. And I'm not going to the future thinking, what am I going to be doing 10 years from now, you know, in this blind world? No, no, no. Just, just stay present. I mean, have your goals. Like you said, Daryl, Daryl, sorry. Have your goals. Like you said, Derek. So you have some things to shoot for. I think that's really important too. So I, I will add, and we'll probably get into this in another episode. I did a year and a half of not only individual counseling, but I also did group um, support group therapy. And those were huge in getting me you know, into a place where I could actually deal with living a life with, you know, vision loss. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not easy and it's not a bad life. It's just a different life. And like the three of us have, um, you know, have our own dot coms that we have been able to turn what we have lived through and what has, you know, been brought to us in our life and have turned it into something positive for the blind community. And which is, well, we're honestly, it's brought us here today. So, you know, that's kind of how I kind of got through it a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm thankful for the struggle because it's shown me how strong I actually am. And, you know, I, I didn't know I really had it inside me. I truly, truly didn't know. And when people say, you know, Maria, man, I just, you know, you inspire me and I know people hate that, but you know what? Well, okay, you're welcome. And if I can inspire them to do something really big and great and awesome and hard themselves, then fabulous. You know what? I'm all for it. And yeah. um, so, you know what? Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. That's what I say. Keep showing up. Yeah, Tim, definitely. How about you? Well, yeah, to that point, you're absolutely right. Thankfully, the three of us have gotten to a point in our lives and a point in our blindness or in our sight loss where we can share these experiences that we've had and, and talk to people about the journey that we've been on. Because as you said, Maria, there are times where you just have to show up. You just have to keep pushing forward and, and staying present at the same time. That doesn't mean that it was all sunshine and rainbows during that time that you were trying to be present. As all three of us know, you know, you going to, you know, therapy and group therapy and things like that. I did a similar thing. Now I did it much later in life. I wish I'd done it sooner, but I went to a blind support group much later uh, where there were, you know, several people losing vision as adults that were, you know, either working or trying to get work and were just not having a, a good go at it. And I was in a bad place for a lot of years. There was probably a, oh, I'd say a seven or eight year period in my twenties where I just, I went through the motions. I showed up as you said, Maria, but boy, I, I don't know if it was showing up in the best sort of way. I, I tried to go to, to college 
and then didn't and then tried again and, and didn't. And I just couldn't get a grasp on that. And I got uh, kind of self-defeating and depressed. You know, who's going to want to date, you know, not even think about marriage. Who's going to want to date this guy who's blind and can't get his you know, act together. You know, I had a, a little two bedroom apartment that I was living in and, you know, trying to do what I could, but it was just, you know, it was frustrating and it was bad for me. And there was these, there were these dark times and I finally, thankfully got uh, in touch with somebody at my local association for the blind and found out that they had group support meetings. Mm -hmm. And that really <laughs> opened my eyes uh, to use a bad pun to, you know, to the fact that I'm not alone. Yes. There are other people out there that are going through this, whether it's a similar or different or whatever disease, doesn't matter. There are other people out there that have been losing their, their vision at different rates and different times of their lives. There are people that have been out there that were born blind that have been dealing with this their whole life. And, you know, in some respects, they don't know anything else at the same time. That doesn't mean that they didn't still have obstacles to overcome. And so I was able to talk to so many people and learn from so many people that, you know what? Your life isn't as over as you think it is. And again, I thought, you know, as, as Derek said, going forward, he was a positive person. You know, Derek, with your positivity and your can-do attitude, you strive to do what you could. And Maria, you said, you know what? I took it a day at a time and I was just present and tried to show up. And, you, and you're both right. But at the same time, as we all know, the other side of that, mm -hmm. that's not always easy. And I can imagine, you know, Derek, you know, hearing us talk about that, you know, I know that you, you know, you weren't always having sunshine and rainbows either. You know, we, we've talked about that. And, and even to this day, honestly, I'm 41 years old. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. Now there are days where it's like, Oh, I'm so tired of stubbing my toe. I'm so tired of ramming my head into a wall or bumping into a person or, <laughs> or being at a department store and bumping into a, a rack of, of shirts and saying, Oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. And my wife having to tell me that that was a rack of shirts. That wasn't a person. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I'm just being polite. You know, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I still get frustrated and I still find myself coping. Yeah, we still have our moments. That's for sure. Um, Absolutely. I, yeah, I was just saying, um, I was just doing, you know, baby kitty talk to a paper bag this morning. So, you know, I'm like, oh my God, you know, just think of like, oh, blind, you know, blind girl problems, right? Paper bag. I thought it was a cat, um, you know, and, and things like that. And I have, you know, I have felt up live women thinking they were mannequins. Um, embarrassing. Oh my. Embarrassing. <laughs> totally embarrassing. Yeah. Um, my daughter comes flying out of the dressing room. I was waiting for her, but you know, I'm a hands-on kind of girl now. <clears throat> and, um, I thought, you know, Oh, let me just check out what's on this mannequin. And it was a lie. It was a lady standing there anyway. Um, whole nother, whole nother podcast, but that's um, a whole nother topic for a yeah, whole nother time. Was, although we'll I, although I do understand recording. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the Patreon version, right? No. Yeah, it um, was, she didn't but, stop um, me. Here's the thing. She didn't even stop me. Oh my. Didn't even stop wow. me, but my daughter's like literally pulling me out of the store, going, "Oh my god, mom, I'm so embarrassed!" Blah, blah, blah. And she's yelling, "She's blind! She's blind!" You know, I'm like, it was horrifying. But the you know, so I leave, and my daughter's mortified, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I did that!" You know, so I was again, I started getting down on myself because I shouldn't have touched. I should have kept my hands to myself. You know, da da da, and you know, again, it can it can totally that kind of thing can throw you into a dark place. For an hour, maybe two hours, maybe a day, 
of like, maybe I should go in public, you know, (laughs) a year, I shouldn't go into public, or maybe you're already having kind of a down day. And that just adds to it. And um, so again, it just even, um, you know, you were saying, uh, Derek, about having to go in the refrigerator and finding something to make for lunch. Um, I go in there and I have to feel because my kids are constantly moving stuff around in the refrigerator. And I should probably tell them not to but I feel I have to feel every shelf what's on every shelf to feel for the particular Tupperware or whatever container that I think what I want is in. I mean, and it's, it's five, 10 minutes. It's ridiculous. And I think, God, but it's just because of my vision loss. And that's just the way it is. And I can't get upset about it. I just have to do it. That's just, well, and that's the thing where we have so many obstacles, obstacles that can cause frustration, And it is about how we deal with that. How do we cope with that frustration? I know, Derek, you know, you being such a positive energy, a positive force in this world, as we know you are, I I know that you still get frustrated. How do you cope with that? It's all fake. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, I drink a lot. Uh, No, (laughs) the, the truth is, even though I am positive and I can laugh at different, my wife and I were sharing different stories the other night, even though I'm laughing at that story, like, you know, when we, when I first lost my sight, she and I were walking together, by the way, she was my girlfriend at the time and we're married now. So just in case people didn't know that, but um, we were walking together and she was telling me things and, she was like, okay, there's a step here. And this was only, you know, a couple months in. And we walked around a corner and I ran smack dab into a trash can. She just didn't think about it because that was our new way of doing things. And she had mm. you know, gotten used to it. And now we laugh at it. Well, even though we laugh at things, it still bothers me. I'm just like, well, uh, I wouldn't have run into that had I not been blind. Just like Maria said, I wouldn't have to take five, 10 minutes to do this if I wasn't blind. Um, you know, just, just all those things. And then it creeps into different parts of your life. Like if you're interviewing for a job and you don't get the job, you always wonder, well, was it because I was blind? You know, it always comes exactly. back to that. And so, yes, I am a very positive person. I look at the bright side, the, the good days instead of the bad or the, the happy times instead of the sad and blah, blah, blah. Yes, I do tend to be positive. But as you said, Tim, once, and as I think we like to say, we don't sugarcoat it necessarily. You know, it's not like right. it's all rainbows and puppies all the time. Life is bad, you know? I mean, life can suck. And so what I always say is sight loss sucks and life is good because they happen at the same time. My sight loss mm-hmm. does suck. I would take sight today, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that my life isn't good. My life is good, even though I have to, you know, take 10 minutes to do something in the fridge, even though I have to have bump dots on my microwave, even though I have to use a magnifier to see certain things. That doesn't make my life bad. That means that part of it kind of, ugh, I don't like it but my life is still good. And so being that positive energy or whatever you want to call it, I always have to remember that right alongside of that is kind of the crummy parts. And yes, it is crummy. And yes, it is good. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with everything you just said because yeah, sight loss sucks. You know, it just, it just does. And we don't want to sugarcoat it. It's not always just this, oh, it's positive and great. And the people you'll meet and the things you'll do and the the, the <laughs> stuff that you'll get to have. And no, it, it's, it is going to be difficult and you will have those obstacles and those frustrations, like we said, and you will have dark times. Like you were talking about Maria, you know, it might be a day, might be a week, whatever. There are times when you know, like like recently with Halloween, my, my daughter, seven years old, dressing up again in a costume for Halloween. I can't see her in that costume. 
and that crushes me. Mm. You know, her her school photos and when she performs in something or sings or whatever, or she's dancing or whatever. I have a mental image of what that is, but it breaks my heart that I can't see that as she's growing up and becoming a young lady and 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 really maturing and developing and changing. And I experience it in my own way. Yeah. And I've had to learn and continue to learn. I still am learning how to cope with that in my own way. But it doesn't mean that I still don't long for the vision to see what she's doing. But bless her cute little heart, she'll you know get cheek to cheek with me or she'll describe things to me or she'll put her hands in mine and you know show me what she's working on if it's a school project that I can feel that's tactile or whatever it might be or we'll we'll work on her spelling words together out loud. She includes me and my wife and I have tried to teach her that her whole life, but it, it is that different way of thinking. It is the being present mm-hmm. because as I learned in those, you know, seven or eight years in my twenties, the, oh, woe is me. It's, it, it can happen. You're going to have grief. You're going to have bad times. It can be an elongated period of time like that for me. It might be a day or two or a week, like Maria was saying, but it, it's how you get through that. It's having the, the will and the guts to say, yeah, this sucks but maybe I need some help. Swallow the pride and say, maybe I need to contact an association for the blind. Maybe I need to email somebody I found online that that has vision issues or is, is blind. Maybe I need to whatever, whatever it is. And that's so much the reason why I know the three of us were excited of starting this series of Roundtable Podcasts, because we want people to understand First of all, you're not alone. I know that all three of us mm-hmm. have written and talked about that in our our blogs and videos and podcasts. You're not alone. You're, you're going to have bad days. It's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But let us tell you about the other side. And that's something that the three of us, I know, relish in in a way, but we can't forget where we've been and what we've been through. Yeah. And we also want to tell the dark side too. And I think that's what it means by, you know, diving deep into the hard parts of the conversations is that people don't like to talk about that part and people don't, don't bring that up. They don't want people to know that they've been through the storms, you know, the, the really dark storms. And as you said, we've all been through our version of the storm at different times for different reasons. Um, and sometimes the storm creeps back up on you again. And the storm comes back. You, you know, you can't predict the weather, as I say. You cannot predict the weather. But one thing I've learned, if you feel that storm coming on, you just feel that gloominess like, oh boy, I'm feeling something coming on um, in, in your mind. You know, it's a mental storm that you have to sit with it. You have to kind of sit with it and feel it and just work through it because the storm will end. It it will end. And like you said, Tim, whether you need to, while you're in that storm, you reach out to Facebook friends, uh, local support groups, a local organization, um, people on Twitter, um, or just, you know, other folks in your particular um, blind community um, to just kind of help you guide yourself through that storm. And then the sun will shine. And in the beginning, I was like, nope, not going through the storm because I am super strong and I am not that, 
you know, I am not going to do that. And I just would push them away and push them away and push them away. And when I couldn't push them away anymore, man, it was bad. It hit, you know, it came on like a hurricane category five. And if I had just kind of taken the little storms, you know, and just kind of, well, I'll, I'll work through this and it'll be okay. And just, you know, maybe had a good cry or had a good talk or event with a friend who understood, then I wouldn't have had to go through the, you know, the traumatic storm, if you will, where I really went downhill and, you know, it, it, you know, gets bad. Like we both have all talked about. So getting through those storms, they're going to happen. Just they are, and they are, and they are, and they are. Don't deny them. Don't push them away. Just go with it. You know, they say when your car starts to skid on an icy road, just, you know, you go with the skid and then you'll correct yourself. You know, it's kind of that way. It's, it's, it's a, it's something you have to learn, you know, definitely have to learn it. But, um, so take it from us. Oh, absolutely. I think that that's a good point to make. Derek, you were mentioning, you know, guide dogs and things you might use to, you know, look for those things in the refrigerator, even if it takes 10 minutes. Those are things that can help you with the coping process. I think uh, when you're trying to figure out your way through sight loss, that there are many different ways to help you with that. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of tools. Um, it's uh, I, I say it randomly, but it's a good time to be blind if there ever says, is such a thing. I mean, yeah, all, if there was such a thing yeah. or a time, yeah. yeah, it's a good time because there's so much assistive technology out there, from computers and telephones and uh, TVs and all the technology. Not to mention low vision things. I mentioned bump dots and so forth. To my guide dog, and there's just all kinds of tools that uh, assist us in coping and living our lives to the fullest. And so, yeah, maybe you have to do it a little differently. I have to zoom in on my screen or listen to my screen reader, but I'm getting the job done. And so it's kind of that balance, like I mentioned, it's that balance of like, well, this kind of stinks, but man, I'm getting the job done. And so that's really good. And so, as you mentioned, Tim, there's all kinds of things, even, even when it seems like it's, it's dark and it's never getting any better, even in the darkness, there are things to help us at least shine a light towards the direction. Maybe we're not going that direction just yet, but at least we know the direction we need to go and can go. And, uh, and you guys have both mentioned about support groups. I know one of the best times I had was when I got my first guide dog. It was the first time I really encountered a bunch of other blind people. And I really didn't consider myself a blind person at the time. I was like, oh, look at all these blind people. This is weird. <laughs> but they were so helpful and so crucial in helping me deal with things because they taught me, you know, they were older, younger, just, you know, had experienced different ways of losing their sight and all kinds of stuff. And it was just so great because, as mm -hmm. you mentioned, Tim, we are not alone. And that's one of the most important messages we can deliver. Yes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. The, the mo One of the most important things to say is that, we are not alone. The people listening are not alone. If you are out there and losing vision or even been blind since birth, you are part of a special community of people that even if you know your your eye disease has something to do with your retina or your macula or your cornea or your, your optic nerve, it doesn't matter. If you have any kind of sight loss at all or or total blindness, you're in this group, you're in this community, and you have very similar experiences as so many other people. Might be different stages in your life, like you've heard all three of us talk about here, might be in different ways and in, in different environments, uh, you know, going to school, out of school, having a family, trying to get a family, worrying that you may not ever have any of the above. Um, all of those things can happen. And 
It's about finding the tools that you need to help you keep taking that next step. As we've all talked about, that I think has been one of the most important things that I learned through the coping process over all of these years. I, I regret as a teenager not taking the opportunity to learn Braille when it was offered to me because at the time I was losing vision in one eye and had high hopes, that positivity, that Derek Daniel positivity <laughs> of I, I'm going to keep my left eye. My right eye might go, but daggone it, my left eye is going to be fine. I don't need to learn Braille. And then, of course, we we know what happened there. And so I've had to try to learn it later in life. And, and I can. I just need to really just stick to it and do it. But I haven't really done that. But that said, I learned that lesson. So when I needed a handheld magnifier or I needed a CCTV or I needed to magnify things on a computer screen – whatever it was through that site loss process. And then of course, going to the point of, okay, one word or a half of a long word on a large screen at once on a computer, that's not getting the job done. Like you said, Derek, mm -hmm. I don't know that I can keep using magnification and really do well in a job or anything else. I guess I need to go to a screen reader now. Mm -hmm. And my trainer the first day scared the life out of me because he said, turn off that monitor and unplug the mouse. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? What? But I want to use the mouse. I, I, I need the monitor. And he goes, no, you don't. You're using just the keyboard and your ears. And he threw me in there, baptism by fire. Mm. And it turned out to be the best thing ever because I got schooled on a screen reader very quickly and it changed my life. So even yeah. if you get frustrated at people that say that stuff, people like us that say, you know, there will be a tomorrow. You can do it. It, it, it will happen. The journey, you know, it, you won't be on this journey alone. It, it can work out. You can live a life after sight loss. You can live a life after blindness. And you can, can live happen. and you can live as a girl gone blind. <laughs> and you can live as a girl gone blind. Boy, that wasn't uh, subtle at all. God, you it? left me out. I was getting there, but, um, <laughs> but no, you may hear all of us say this and write this and do it in our videos and our podcasts, but that's because we've been there. And that's why we wanted to present these roundtable podcasts. We're hoping to do so many more of these talking maybe about the tools that we use, the different things that, uh, that have affected our lives that have helped us through our experiences, uh, people that we've had in our lives and, and all kinds of things that we've learned. And so I think this is just the tip of the iceberg guys as mm -hmm. to the, the bigger conversation of not just coping with vision loss or being blind in general, but how you cope with that going forward. And like we, like we've all said here, taking that next step. Certainly, Tim, I definitely agree with you. One thing I always say is that if if you can't believe that there is going to be, quote, a tomorrow, a better day and things like that, if you can't believe that today, well, I'll believe for you. I'll put my belief in for you because I do believe it. Even when I have a bad day or I have a bad week or a bad moment, I have enough perspective now. now it took me a long time to get there, but I have enough perspective now to go, you know what? I know this is not going to be uh, the end of things. It's just a bad day. And I still experience the bad day. It still sucks. I'm still sad or whatever. 
but I can believe enough to know that tomorrow or the next day is going to be better. So, you know, if you're listening to this, I'll believe for you. I think Tim and Maria can agree that we can believe for you in that. And you are definitely not alone. Even, even though apparently I'm Mr. Positivity and Mr. (laughs) I'm Mr. Rogers of the blind community, as I like to say. Pretty much. Uh, Hey, you you said it. That's fine. I'll, I'll take that. Give me a sweater and I'll put it on. Uh, you know, I, I just know that, um, no matter what happens, we're not alone. And so we're, we're not going through this alone. And that's, that really helps me to be encouraged to know that, uh, somebody's come alongside of me and I can come along some, uh, come alongside somebody else and help them walk through it as well. Absolutely. Very well said. Maria, final word. Well, I think that this is going to be a great podcast with the three of us. I really, really enjoyed our first episode. I think we hit a lot of topics, a lot of points, and I really hope that the listeners will pick up some things, not only from this episode, but the future episodes where we will be, you know, quote unquote, diving deeper in, even into some of the little, uh, topics we, we touched on here. Um, I, you know, I, tr- I am really a believer in keeping your mental health just as healthy as your physical health. And I'm hoping that we can, you know, touch on both of those as well in the future. So Tim, thanks for bringing us all together to the table. Um, I'm looking forward to sitting down with you guys more in the future. Well, again, very well said, Maria. Thank you for that. And yeah, I'm very happy to have the three of us together to do this. I think this is going to be a lot of fun, but hopefully insightful and hopefully very helpful to people that are listening. Hopefully there's a a tidbit here or there that people can pick up on through these conversations. That said, we want people to be involved in this roundtable discussion. This table isn't just for the three of us. We want it to be for the community at large, whether you are someone who is sighted, as Derek says, a sighted supporter with someone in your life who is blind or visually impaired, whether you're losing vision, blind since birth, no matter the situation, if blindness affects your life, we want to hear for you because this this show is really going to be for all of you. And so please reach out to us. Uh, Derek and Maria both have places that you can get in touch with them. Of course, you can find me at lifeafterblindness.com. Send an email to tim at lifeafterblindness.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook as well. Maria, want to tell the people where they can get more information about you and if they wanted to get in touch with you, how they could do that. The listeners can find my blog at girlgoneblind.com. I am also on Facebook at Girl Gone Blind and on Twitter at girl underscore gone underscore blind. And you can reach me at any of those platforms and send me a message and I'd be happy to help or answer any questions. And Derek, how about you? If people want to get in touch with you or find out more, what can they do? Definitely just go to lifeaftersightloss.com. You can hear all my uh, podcasts and videos, but most importantly, you can find my contact information, email, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Just hop on over to lifeaftersightloss.com. Awesome. Well, I think this has been a great first deep dive into the realm of sight loss and how to cope with it, or at least how we've coped with it. Obviously, these aren't the end-all be-all answers in coping with sight loss. There's so many different things that people can do and try. But as we've said, you know, put put a step forward every day and just do your best to be present. As we've said here, do what you can. And if you need help, if you have questions, reach out to somebody, whether it's one of us or someone else in your life, somebody that you know, blind or not, 
do your best to you know reach out to get that help because coping is is not easy and uh, you know you don't want to do it alone. So anyway, thank you so much to all of you out there for listening. Derek, Maria, thank you so much for being here with me. My pleasure. You're welcome. And please join us again next time as Maria, Derek, and I come together to give you our blind point of view. Take care, everybody.